1: Welcome to another episode of Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert, Layman Matt Goodwin, joined as always by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. Joining us for this installment is our very own Max Greenfield to help us talk about the anti-victory lap, knowing when to admit you might have been wrong about a player, good or bad. We'll talk about numbers, we'll talk about players, we'll talk about how terribly the Colorado Rockies have been run for a while now, all while trying to get an MLB team out there to hire Max immediately. Well, before we get to all that, Max, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on,
2: guys. How's everybody doing?
1: I'm going to throw that one over to Alex, um, just to make sure he gets some airspace here early on. Um, I'm really upset that Taco
3: Bell Cantina here in Columbia <laughs> Heights in D.C. is not yet open here. Um, it is a crime, and it should be rectified immediately uh, in the form of a Baja blast margarita for me.
1: Yeah. I, you, you mentioned that that's what you were, you were trying to do here. And, uh, seriously, uh, this is not a lie. Grabbed my phone, went to DoorDash, and then, uh, talked myself into ordering Taco Bell delivery and then immediately out of it as well. So, uh, I appreciate, uh, that roller coaster of emotions that you put me on to here tonight before we got a chance to talk baseball. Uh, what did you wind up settling on Alex? Um, I'm uh, currently enjoying
3: some and Pizza at DC local acceptable pizza chain.
1: I love the tagline "acceptable." Acceptable. That is that That's should key. be on That's all key of their word advertisements. Keyword there is acceptable. <laughs> as if,
2: as if somehow the the unacceptable pizza, like what what is? Uh, we're, I'm going to go on a tangent if I get too deep into what's
1: unacceptable pizza. Please do. I'm going to actually say I don't think unacceptable pizza exists. I mean, even like bagel bites are are okay right yeah it's just i, I guess really it's managing expectations
3: i need a bagel right right now yeah, yeah you, no.
1: you'd have yeah, you, yeah. you'd you take a bagel bite uh over a lot of other things i think uh, bad pizza is still pizza um yeah. but it's not taco bell cantita <laughs> <laughs> no yeah yeah
3: <laughs> so um, all right that's what we well, look uh, forward
1: to absolutely uh do you have a, a, a an opening date i mean i know you went went there and were significantly disappointed Do they have like a giant like date plastered on the door
3: well in theory they were supposed to open um on april 21st which not opening on april 20th and being taco bell was a huge <laughs> missed <laughs> that opportunity. was a big mess <laughs> huge i
1: think money maker we're gonna have right to there. tag we're gonna have to tag taco bell in the uh in the twitter announcement of the episode and uh yeah, Just, maybe we'll tag Wendy's too. I'm sure they'll have something funny to say. About Just with it. a tagline of "Get it together." Yeah, definitely <laughs> acceptable food. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's get started with our bell ringer here, and uh, we're uh, the episode here is is going to be leading into a discussion about uh, you know the opposite of a victory lap, uh, and so I want to bring up a player here right off off the top, Max. I'm going to throw it to you. Um, when do we get to know who? Uh, is actually right about Jed Lowry? Uh, is he just on a hot streak, uh, and he's going to be whatever, and those people are going to be right? Or is he having some sort of late career renaissance uh, and is going to make all of the Jed Lowry truthers, the uh, the four of them, uh, accurate and, and uh, t- be able to take their victory? Lap?
2: <laughs> so I I think this is a good question because it, it sets up what we're going to talk about pretty well. Uh, the The thing about Jed Lowry was when he was with the Mets, the dude just wasn't playing. Was yeah. the problem? Not that the production wasn't there. Well, he wasn't there because he wasn't playing. Uh, but really, the, the the issue with Jed Lowry was he was hurt, and he told the Mets the Mets basically like, I can't really run on my knee. But the Will Ponds, right? According to the report, were just like, you gotta play. Right. We're paying you this money. You got to play. And he's like, mm. I physically can't. Right. And so the that wisdom kept... of the will. Yeah. Yeah. What a smart group they are. <laughs> yeah, uh, <Wilpon> wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they, like that just kept extending out the injury is what it seemed like, is that he kept trying to play through it. It just wasn't working. And thus he just kept getting hurt. I never really doubted that the ability was gonna go away, right? Like he could, he hit fine for the A's. There was no sign while he was with the A's that he was gonna like massively fall off or anything, right? Right. You know, right. He, you know his final season in Oakland, he had an eleven and a half percent walk rate and an eighteen point eight percent strikeout rate. That's pretty good. Like that's a pretty good yeah, sign of yeah. sustainable success, right? Now, open the year, he's at nine point two percent walk rate, fourteen point nine percent strikeout rate. Again, that's that's pretty on par with what you would expect from like an aging Jed Lowry. Like if you had told yeah, me that yeah. based off of his 2018, that that would be what he was doing in his next fully healthy season, I would have told you, Oh, he's having a pretty good night. 2019. They'd be like, <laughs> yeah. well, actually, actually it's 2021. I'd be like, all yeah, oh, right, right. Well, what happened? Uh, Pay no
1: attention to 2020. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: so, you know, in, you know, in all honesty, like, I don't think it's anything against, like, people who are doubting Jed Lowry. Like, if you're a Mets fan, I get it. Like, I 100% understand why you, like, not want to hear that Jed Lowry is doing well. Because, you know, he didn't play for you. But this isn't really, like, too surprising for me. I always thought he was a good hitter. I always thought he was a solid player. And he's just proving that, hey, if you can work the strike zone just a little bit, right, you should age fine as a hitter. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah I think that's a really good kind of like point to pick up from for like any other dudes that we're like expecting to get old soon, which is most people honestly uh, yeah. they all do eventually <laughs> um you know i mean max between us we're we're gonna hit a combined thirty seven years old eventually yeah oh, my um, goodness <laughs>
1: you guys stop talking now <laughs> that's true um,
3: um you know so i I feel like if you have to pick like out of the barrel of people to have late career renaissances like jed lowry types aren't the worst bet at the end of the day right no um they're they're really not at some point it's it's something other than um you know hit ball really hard so you know people like me who like to dream of being good at like beer league softball you know we can look up to guys like jed uh so you know i'm happy for him at the end of the day
2: Really? Agreed. Like, and the other thing too about Jed Lowry, as as we you know as we talk about plate discipline, is like so important. You know, he for his career, his O swing percentage on Fangraphs is twenty four point five. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that that should show that as he gets older, he should be fine. He just didn't play, so people are like so shocked that he's starting off well. And it's not like yes, he's starting off really well. He's got like a one thirty weighted runs graded plus. I think is slash line if i remember correctly yeah it's two seventy three forty 468 like that's really good obviously right now that's like really good because you know offense is just really down uh yeah but, yeah,
3: yeah whole other thing
2: yeah uh, but yeah i mean if you again if you had told me like in hit in 2020 or 2021 that jed lowry would be hitting you know close to 280 with near a 350 on base percentage i would have told you yeah that sounds about right like
1: yeah, yeah. i could have totally seen I that i mean couple. he I as I, and everybody knows I'm a Red Sox fan, um and and watching Jed when he was younger play, he's not the kind of player that you see that much anymore. I, at least I don't think I, he's he's a, a bat on ball kind of guy, so it's not shocking to me that a healthy Jed Lowry, even at 37 years old, would be able to do that. Um, I think you make a fantastic point that when when you're pushing somebody to play through an injury, um it, you know. It, combined with age it's easy for the wrong narrative to take control there um and that then changes our expectations moving forward yeah it, it's it's all it, we're only having this conversation because he just didn't play right like that's
2: that's the honest to god truth there was nothing in the underlying metrics or anything that said he would randomly fall off
1: yeah right, was, right, right there
2: was nothing really there it's just he just didn't play so people are like oh he can still play because when you're 37, that happens. Like, people question yeah, yeah, if yeah. you can still
1: play. Yep. I am uh, constantly checking my phone, though, because I kind of expect an alert that he's gone on the IL while we're recording this. <laughs> of course. Um, get, that's so what's going to happen. There is still plenty of time <laughs> for and Nelson Jed Cruz to just find his way today, onto the injured the
2: list. Nelson <laughs> <Yeah>. Cruz <laughs> Nelson yeah. Cruz hit a triple today? He did. He did hit it. he And he beat out an infield single yesterday. So, wow. you know, Jesus. Maybe we need my to sprint re-evaluate speed age. must be up
1: a little bit. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it was
2: honestly like it was I remember I watched it happen live and I was just like that really just happened like i almost paused it to like double check to make sure but you know obviously they showed it on the replay because they you know they reviewed the play and everything and he legitimately beat it out like he just it was a close enough play it was a slow enough chopper up the middle that was hit just hard enough that jimenez had to run just far enough and spin and throw just slow enough to where cruz could beat it out it was like all these little things just worked out perfectly for nelson cruz to beat out an infield single <laughs> yeah you don't
1: so, really think of nelson cruz infield single as being uh in his repertoire
3: you know so max i want to turn this to you uh, never mind the hitting the ball part could you beat out an infield
1: single no like, yeah. like, <laughs> okay. no. I. like against <laughs> against me that's 0 for 3 on the pod for tonight if by you the way. if you
2: ask anybody who said any kind of questions like could you do this on a major league baseball field and the answer is not no. They're lying. They are. Yeah, it's liar. always no, unless they were a former big leaguer, right? Unless right. they're like a thirty-seven-year-old who used to play in the big leagues. Then it's like, okay, yeah, you probably could because you literally did it recently. But hey, anybody
1: listen. else, lie? Yeah, if you're if liar. you're a double A player. All right. Yeah. You've got a better chance than anybody. And even even that, that's a pretty high level of success. You know, people talk about music. Right. And one hit wonders and they're like, oh, they blow off One hit wonder is actually a tremendous level of success in the music industry. Right. Yeah. Double A is a tremendous level of success in baseball. And even some of those double A guys might not be able to do. What we're talking about. And then, you know, the guy on his sofa is like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. You can't. A- you might be a wonderful person. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had I enough could not of not get the a sofa hit. people, man. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over it. Yeah.
3: I could not get a hit in either music or baseball, to be clear. So, uh, <laughs> you know, appreciation all around here.
2: I might have a better shot in music just because I'm a drummer, so I might be involved in it. I might, I might not write it or do the lyrics or anything like that, but I could play the backbeat for it and be involved in it. And that might, so I have a little bit better shot at that. Not a good one, not a good one, but a little (laughs) bit better, a little bit. I do
1: like Alex, how you brought those two worlds together with, with the hit thing. That was fantastic. That was well done. It deserves a moment to, to, to shine in the sun. That was very well done. That's good stuff. All right, we're going to move on to the next segment in our show here that we like to call "Number or Numbers of the Week." And the number I have for both of you this week is 200, Um, as it stands right now. And again, this feeds into what we're going to talk about. These are absolutely ridiculous numbers, Um, but as of this moment right now on FanGraphs, there are six hitters that have uh, are at or above a 200 wRC plus. So far this season, what I want to do is have you guys go back and forth and guess until we get the six or until I get sick of you guys guessing and getting them wrong. That's fair.
2: I, you know, what's funny is I saw this. on uh, I saw this and I was like, I'm not going to look because I could have easily looked and just memorized and everything. Oh, I, was sure. like, I was like, no, I'm not going to look. But I, I do know. And Ale- Alexander will agree with me. The most obvious one is Mike Trout is Obviously, one of the six, right?
1: Uh, not I... just one of the six, number one of the six by a lot. Uh, I, I meant to put down in the notes here the actual number. I believe it's like 267 or 270 something. It's an insane he... number.
3: I mean, don't bother writing it down. It'll just be higher on Friday yeah. when this
2: gets released. Right. Like, what's, what's, you know, we keep having conversations about Mike. I, this is a small tangent, just because I think it needs to be said. We keep having conversations about Mike tangent because uh, Mike Trout. Because on Sunday night, they basically said. You know, if Mike Trout wasn't in, how would we be talking about Mookie Betts, right? That was, like, a really good conversation. And Mm -hmm. in in fairness, Mookie Betts is a generational talent. I compared him to, like, basically just he's the same offensive profile as Ricky Henderson without the steals but like similar defensive ability. He's basic. Another person said he's modern day Roberto Clemente. And I agree with that. Like those are basically what he is. Like you're watching. And and if
1: he, to be fair, if he played in those eras, he probably would be those guys in the same ways as well.
2: Exactly. Like he's just a product of today's era, but he's 100% one of the best baseball players ever at this point. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to go, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to be a top 30, a top 25 player all the time. Every
1: one of these words, Max is hitting me right in my heart, by the way, I'm, I'm, just, I'm so you're sorry, right? I'm so sorry. And I'm, I'm tolerating this because you're accurate, <laughs> but, but it hurts. I'm,
2: I'm... Hey, Alex Verdugo is really good. Did you hear? <laughs> yeah, Verdugo is really good, but it doesn't justify trading. Mookie yeah. uh, anyway, it never will. But anyway, he might be from... a ton of win player, you know. i like verdugo timeline there that's true
1: so unfair to verdugo to have to try and shoulder that burden. anyway that's a that's a whole other uh podcast let alone topic yeah but Trout
3: cannot fathom how many listeners we just lost
2: (laughs) mike trout is the best player in baseball and he's going to be at most likely a top five player all time and the comparisons to just anybody to him just need to stop like it's not yeah it's not fair it's not fair to mookie betts it's not fair to Ronald Acuna Jr. It's not fair to Juan Soto. It's not fair to anybody. Like it's just stop. Like you're just doing a disservice to everybody. And it's not like a oh this is a sabermetric nerd kind of thing. Go ahead. Okay,
3: so now let's find five other guys to compare him to under the yeah, same. Guys, let's find five yeah, other let's guys. Let's literally do.
1: To. No, no. So this honestly the exercise isn't about comparing to to Mike Trout. I will tell you though that he's like got 30 or 40 points on the next on the which next the guy, even this early in the, the season, point. which is insane. It's just absolutely insane. Soto last year had had like a 207 for the year something in that neighborhood, yeah, which is off I the think. charts. Um and and I think to your point, at any given time, Mike Trout might not be number one on these leaderboards, but he's he's the Always number one the guy for being close yeah. to that that element. Yeah, Always, totally. or just wait. It's it's yeah, yeah exactly. Right.
2: Just wait. What's the what's the old phrase? When Mike Trout is at the top of the WAR leader, that's when you know it's
1: legit, right? That's when you know that's, it's legit. yeah. That's when the season starts. <laughs> yeah, that. Basically, um, it, it, all right. So who was so Max did? got. Max got number one, Alex. And a deserved tangent there.
3: Um I oh yeah I'm gonna definitely. go with yeah, I'm gonna go with the guy who's currently number one in the MLB in home runs,
1: at Reese Hoskins. Uh that is a, a swing and a miss. So I, I didn't really I mean, fully flesh out how we're gonna play this. Reese Hoskins, of course. Uh, Sacramento guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just bounce back and forth. You could get another right, turn max. until you get somebody. No, 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 no. I think I think we should we should bounce back and forth and see who gets more of the top yeah, six here. Yeah, Acuna, is he still there? He is. He's number three. It's an obvious he one. Is yeah. Number three. Yep. Okay. So this is two um, zip max. Uh, Corey Seeker? A great guess, but also not on the top six. It is it is going to get decidedly more difficult here. There's yeah. one name that might be like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then there's probably three that, I mean, I mean, you guys are both like in it, and you, are your numbers-driven and and math-driven, and so you d- might d- surprise. You don't me, have to flatter us. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we can not, be wrong. we're not. We're,
2: that's, that's the, the point. The brakes here. We're not that smart. Uh, <laughs> at least I don't myself, know. The Yankees myself. are reading your stuff, Max. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty awesome. It is. Uh, it, was, it was very big. I was very surprised by that. Um, I want to say. There's no way because he doesn't—he isn't walking enough. But I'm still gonna throw it out there. Is Shohei on
1: there? No, I love Ooh. that guest, though. I—I I, like. I am absolutely in love with that guess. I'm putting a heart around it and like signing my name with its last with its initials. That's a great guess, but no, not top six.
3: I let you guess that because I didn't want to have to bear the shame of him not being top
1: <laughs> he he six hasn't, year.
2: He isn't walking much this year. So that's really going to like hurt. He has why seven. I walk runs? When you can run to first. Yeah. Why then? walk when you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark? Right. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Okay. You can jog. All right, so I'm,
3: I'm going I'm to give another one. Um, JD Martinez. Yes.
1: And yeah. Alex is on the board. Yep. JD Martinez is number two, actually, at this point. Oh, oh okay. I knew he yep. was doing well. Not that well.
2: JD, I mean JD yep. Martinez is arguably the second best hitter in baseball. So
1: just now. a little, a short little <laughs> recap. Off I the board, that's... we have we have Mike Trout, JD Martinez, and Ronald Acuna two to Max, one to Alex, and that's the um, top three.
2: So the next three guys, that's the are... top three. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Ooh. It gets weird. I'm telling you, it gets weird. It gets weird. Harper. No. He's got to be just under though, right? Because he was. You at, know, I he was uh, Let me see. I have the, the leaderboard here. Uh, you're gonna be very surprised. No. No, he Oh, wait, wait, wait. Cuz it's Let me all in make Colorado. Sure I'm sorted properly here. That's important. Oh,
2: you're right. He went off in Colorado, so that's all.
1: <sighs> uh no, no, <laughs> you're right. You're right. He's 8. You're totally right. Oh. Bryce Harper is number 8. Damn. He is at let's see. I just got to scroll here. He's at 186, which is a, a phenomenal number. Yeah, he was <laughs> but... at, he was at 190,
2: he was at 191 and then he went off in cores and then I think he like took, you know, went had like an over game <laughs> or something in there. And so his was weird on Yeah, one like, game is points. all the difference
1: at this stage, yeah, and, right? And, I mean,
2: and, and in cores it's going to like kill you if you're not doing well.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you could you could have a 3 for 4 day in cores and have your wrc plus go down, I'm sure. <laughs> um let's see. So all right, let's see. I I'm like completely reliant on like a home run leaders by position tweet that I saw the other day, um, and I honestly could not tell you who's actually good at baseball right now because uh, the answer is everybody, yeah, um, and nobody.
1: <laughs> um, goodness, uh, Tatis. Nope. <sighs> okay. I think he's probably spent too much time out. Uh, oh yeah, it probably doesn't qualify, and uh, i I'd, I'd
3: accept
2: that. Is it Mercedes? Is Ehrman on there?
1: Yes, number four.
2: Ah, that's right, because he's hitting like 440 or something like yeah. that,
1: right? Like off the charts and kind of out of nowhere. I so Maybe somebody we talk about a little bit later yes. on, too. So that's that's four that's actually the top 4. So we've actually gone oh, almost so in order. It's only going to get weirder. It's
2: only going to get weirder from here. Uh, yeah, well, I mean um, he it was a little no.
1: weird but but he's on people's radar so maybe that's not super weird but it there these are two people that I I don't think that if if the if we were drafting today Right, and and and, he, and I was to be my tell you, pick yeah. who's definitely. your yeah, who's who's definitely number five in the league at, at uh WRC. I don't think that these two would, would jump off the page at you. Wait,
3: okay, wait, so I have to do this because I have to do this. Is Jed Lowry above 200? <laughs> oh, boy, it would make me happy if he was after our
1: discussion, but no, I'm I'm is making that that your actual guess. final answer. Yes, guess I, I, is... I will forfeit that guess. You'll forfeit for for that, that guess. All right. Well, so far it's Max three, Alex one. So I guess one more guess, Max, and you seal yeah. the deal here.
2: Okay. He walks a lot, and that's definitely gonna be a part of it, but he was really tearing it up for a while. He slowed down a bit recently, but Brandon Nimmo was tearing it up. Is he still in the top six?
1: He is not, but he <gasps> is fourteenth. So wow, he's his in the top fifty. Damn. Damn. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Um all right. Um I sort of assume someone in Seattle is in the top six, but like I just couldn't even figure out who that would possibly be. Um let's see. Um Alright, who who can I use as a vessel to embarrass myself with here? Uh you can really see and hear the pained expressions on my faces here. This would only be better if you had the Baja
1: Blast Margarita to help you. I would with. be I would
3: be six for six if I had a Baja <laughs> Blast margarita. <laughs>
1: Um, give me Nelson Cruz. I love that guess, but no, no, really? no, not there. That's uh, shocking. He's 11th, 11th. Damn,
2: this is tough. Okay. I'm going to yeah go because this. it's
1: weird. I mean, this is, this is what happens early on. Right. And I guess this kind of goes to the point of when you're, when it's early, it's weird. <laughs> it's just going to be,
2: I remember this because I'll, I'll do this because Castellanos started off really hot last year, but I'm not going to pick Castellanos cause I know he cooled down cause I checked his numbers the other day. But Jesse Winker is he in the top six? <laughs>
1: yes, he's number Shout six. Shout out to my
2: uh, f- uh, girl Ally uh Cincinnati. She's a big uh, Jesse Winker g- uh, girl.
1: Yeah, he's right at two hundred. So he's, he was he he made the cutoff barely. He's so go uh, ahead
3: and spoil us on the sixth one then, because um you don't want to hear me just guess the entire Orioles. Yeah. <Oil>.
1: No, I we've established Max's supremacy in this little game that we made up on the spot. Uh, The last one is Yuli Gurriel. Um, You know, I was gonna no way I would have have ever guessed. You
2: know, I was gonna guess somebody I was like, maybe somebody from the Astros. And I was like, maybe Bregman, like Bregman's a good player,
3: right? But Solid then, guess. Yeah, like yeah. I, I mean, the Astros stopped playing the first week Oakland A's a couple weeks ago and haven't been good since. So, <laughs> so um, I'll just
1: recap this oh. quickly. The number one was Trout. Uh, second was J.D. Martinez. Then Ronald Acuna, uh, Mercedes, Gurriel, Winker, um, and and respectively, those numbers are uh a 274 wrc plus for Trout. <laughs> yeah wow. uh you can't see at home the faces that are being made on the zoom here but uh that's a that number is i mean, it's not sustainable but holy moly you're is sure? that an, an insane number <laughs> anybody I, I, you know what <laughs> yes. if you're going to give me the over under at 274 i'll take the under uh, By but he's very, very good at baseball. <laughs> uh, the next uh, uh, would be JD at 231, then 219, 219, 201, 200. Um, so now, Winker again, this, barely makes
2: it. Barely he barely makes it.
1: it. I cut it off at 200, and uh, and and that was six guys. So uh, he does barely make it. Um, but it, it, it's it, this is fun, but it, it it shows the absurdity of a small sample size, obviously. Um, and when we come back at the end of the year, there's probably going to be, uh, two to three of those guys still there, or at least in the top 10, maybe top 20 and, and like probably said, not the others, right? Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, all it takes is a hot <laughs> week and, and ev- or a cold week and everything's different, um, which is where we're at. So. Uh, To move into the central question that we have this week, it's kind of uh like, what's the benefit of acknowledging what you may have been right or wrong about, uh, mostly wrong about, um, and what can we actually with confidence say we're right and wrong about, mostly in the context of people are so excited to do stuff because baseball's here and fantasy baseball's here and there's FOB and there's waivers and there's trades and there's games on TV and how do we use our humility to say I may have been wrong about this guy and say that with confidence and and ho- how do we know who to hold on to how do we make smart moves based on the data sets that we have what makes sense what matters what doesn't um, but mostly like Ugh. like kind of the the <laughs> yeah, anti <laughs> what doesn't the, the anti victory lap I think a lot of people like to go out uh, whether it's on social media or, or wherever and say clearly you know they, they planted their flag early I was right. I was right. I was right. Let's do the opposite. Let's let's go with somebody that we had planted our flags in. And by we, I mean you um, <laughs> and, uh, and maybe it's not working out. And, and whether or not you think that that's honestly, I was wrong about this player or whether that's we just need a little bit more time to see what's really going to happen. Um, So I I guess I'll throw that out to either of you who wants to jump in. I think uh, maybe we could talk in the general and then bring it to the players. We could start with a player if you really want to do that. It it doesn't really matter, but I think that this is a a fun discussion to have, but an important one for people trying to make good decisions. So I want to go ahead and shame myself
3: first um, because the guy I want to bring up had another very not great night. I really was a day game today. That's Kenta Maeda. Mm. Um, and I'm gonna bring up kind of like him for a couple of reasons. Um, I feel like Kena maeda did a lot of things exceptionally well last year. He struck out a lot of dudes. He created really weak contact to a lot of dudes, and that's a really good recipe for like general success. You only have to be good at one of those things, (laughs) and he was good at both last year, and he's been good at neither this Mm. year. Um, I also really liked him for some other strategic reasons. He's a guy who can throw the entire kitchen speed kitchen sink with good spin rates on top of that you know so you get a nice sink floating at you towards the batter's box and somehow it, it's called a strike instead of just hitting you in the head um so you know like i was really hoping the guys who can work efficiently and offer a lot of different things might be the sort of guys that get relied on to go deep into games and they're like the outlier for a little while you know maybe you get a fake il stint where they get a day off But like <laughs> i was thinking might is it this guy who looks so good he got unleashed last year and then suddenly he and everyone else in the minnesota organization kind of just fell off a cliff this year um you know their bullpen has just looked like hot garbage um <laughs> it's just been i don't know did did they were like their, did their sticky stuff guy like get laid off i'm not really sure what's happening there yeah um <laughs> that's a, good and question. It's, it's a weird storm of like it's getting to the point where i'm gonna have to start actually grappling with um some of, the, like, the reality of that. Uh, you can you can call anyone, uh, you know, like, a small sample, um, like, bad luck loser, whatever you want for a couple games. We're getting close to the point where I'm going to have to be upset about Kento Maeda. So, the things that, you know, I like to bring him up for, you know, like, the very first things that are going to start to be, like, the red flags, um, you know, for any guy, like, things like, you know... I, I traded Steven Strasburg because of bad fastball velocity in spring training. Those things iron out pretty quick. Uh, player choices tend to iron out pretty quick, you know, because it's someone has chosen to do it. And it's not like your opponents, for the most part. Like, you know, those sorts of things we can start to look for. And, like, with Maya, like, I haven't wanted to look. I want to be really straight up about that. I have not wanted to look because I'm just seeing the ERA on my fantasy teams. And so we're going to venture into that with a couple of our guys tonight where I think we've been kind of like putting our hands over our eyes. And I just wanted to call that one out right ahead because I think he had like another five inning, five earned run outing with like a bad whip. Uh, So, you know, I just felt like I had to say him first.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm quickly uh, just looking at his, you know, Fangraph's page real quick. It's just everything is down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, across the board. <laughs> yeah. Everything is down. Swing strike rate down. CSW way down. Call strike rate down. Strikeouts down thirteen percent. I mean that's that's the walks aren't down. No, the walks the walks are, <laughs> really the walks up. are up. The walks are up by one point seven percent, which actually like truth be told, yeah, really isn't that bad. Huge, like that's but... that's pretty like year to year variability, that's well within the variability. Uh it's just you know, looking at it more, it, it's just the command he's leaving stuff over the middle of the plate.
1: Just that's what I was going to ask. Is he, is he in the zone more than he was last year so far? He wow.
2: is. He's in the he's in the zone about six percent more, almost seven percent more actually. Mm, and yeah, that's uh, a lot. Yeah, and that's because that's a choice for the most part. Yeah. Well,
3: well, you might think like if you're out of the zone but successfully, so you're off and you're getting people to chase. Um, then you don't have to go back into the zone later in the strike, or right out right in the count. But if your zone rate's up, that might be a choice. But that could be um, something that's, like, more along the lines of, um, like, you're being forced to be there. Is it a stuff thing?
1: Is his stuff moving less while everybody else is moving more? Is it... That the ball is moving more, and so those pitches that were designed to be out of the zone are, are breaking into it. Do we have any, any idea there? Um,
2: Well, you know, I can very quickly try and figure that out just by using the good old baseball savant, everyone's <laughs> favorite fantasy tool. To Alex loves the sliders.
1: They're his favorite.
2: Oh, I'm sure because they're my favorite. I <laughs> like to get too. them with a little bit of buffalo sauce. Um, Surprise! <laughs> uh, by the way, Mike Tockman was traded today to the Giants for Wandy Peralta. So I've had to see both Mike Tockman Savant Page and Wandi Peralta's Savant screenshot too much today, and I would very much like it to stop. Uh, so please, please, please stop doing that. DM to you every single day for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh, well let's let's see, let's look here. His changeup is actually moving pretty much just as much, if not more, than it was last year. His four seamer is dropping less actually than it did last year. His slider is dropping is moving just about as a little bit less than last year. Actually by a little, actually pretty substantial amount for a slider about almost an inch less, so that that could be a part of it. But overall it's nothing it's not moving too differently. Yeah. I would just say it's so, just he's missing in the middle of the plate too much. So if I'm if
3: I'm looking at a couple like standout things for him as well. Um first and foremost his chase contact, you know, um the amount of contact he's oh, getting when people do choose up. to swing. Yeah, way up. And that that doesn't feel like something that's like guaranteed to stay up. Yeah. That could be a little bit of luck like a pitcher's bat yeah <laughs>
1: kind of right like
3: yeah yeah well another another thing there is his line drive rates up and he has no control over that basically it's like the guys who have gotten contact have gotten to get really good happen to get really good contact again another thing similar to that his sweet spot rate is slightly up but yeah the line drive rates like the outlier one there and just like how that's going to play into things is like okay so he doesn't control that it likely regresses and it massively influences things like boba um His woba and ex woba will be blind to that sort of thing, so it's likely that his ex woba would fall um, because this line drive rate will regress. And the reason you want to like square all that is ex woba is like how good should you have been, not not how good are you. Right. Um, Now, on top of that, he's also got a big gap between his woba and his ex woba. So, am I scared? Uh, Probably not that much. Do I think he's going to be a top ten starting pitcher? Probably not, but I shouldn't have thought that to begin with. I just really liked him, Um, but yeah, I think he can rebound. But I just really also want to rebound, want him to rebound. So I I called him out mostly as like, actually, you dig a little bit deeper, and he's like, it's not like he sucks, real bad. It's
0: just it's it's a it's a little
2: bit of luck. Uh, The line drive thing, expected statistics this year, as we all know, are a little. A little fluky, they're. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, they're all. Everything's fluky, right? With yeah. the with
2: the new ball, it's just freaking made...
3: Manfred. It's just it that's so... my conclusion.
2: Yeah, it's just so tough to tell. You know, like we, I was looking at uh, Aaron Judge's numbers, and he's underperforming his ex photo by like forty points, and I'm like, he's probably underperform just because that's who he is he's always going to underperform that's just the type of guy he is <laughs> um but it's also sort of like how much though how much can we reasonably say people are over or underperform well that's kind sort of
1: what of, i was gonna i was gonna put you guys on the spot here with maeda and say now we've looked at his numbers we we've dissected it are, are is he a is he a, a sell or is he a buy low
3: um, I, mean, I mean, I would buy low just because I I am required to say that I would buy low because I bought in already. <laughs> you know, I joked about this in the PL Discord the other day with Ian Hap, who's likewise been really. Unlucky. You were talking to I Ian Hap
1: in the Discord. So That's phenomenal. <laughs>
3: I wish. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, You know, someone's like, yeah, he's a great low candidate. And it's like, I can't buy him low. I already have him everywhere. And I, <laughs> and that's that's the funnest part of all of this is, is we're talking today about all of the guys that we're refusing to drop because we bought in so hard already.
1: Um, and that's kind of the goal here, right? So, is to talk about yeah. like, when do we let go? When do we say like, I need to acknowledge that maybe I was wrong about this and Stop having Kenta Maeda kill my ratios on my team, or um, is it is it a you know a hold? Is it time to just kind of maybe skip a couple starts and see what happens? What's what's the action step here that we take with Kenta Maeda? Eight starts. I come back to eight starts. By
2: by start eight, if they're still struggling, I think it's a reasonable point where it's like it's okay to sell at that point but because generally speaking you know guys have good first half second half i mean jack flaherty back in 2019 right you know remember he's still good yeah (laughs) uh, what was it it was like it was like late may early june right he just flipped the switch and turned it on and that can happen but for the most part it doesn't like who you are in your first eight starts is generally who you are for the rest of the season like there's you hit that window of like between start eight and start 11 if you don't figure it out by then you're just not figuring it out by the year right most of the time most well, you're of the usually time. how now, far into
1: a season by start 11 a third yeah a little more you're, yeah we're you're definitely like hitting it's it's gotta be
2: what june by then yeah. right by start 11 late
3: may depending yeah yeah depending, so like depending on like, schedule sure. and
2: stuff, right?
3: Yeah, if you're going like every, uh, if you're going every five to six days, let's call it every six days you start, then yeah, that's like 48 days. If you're really, really booking it through the rotation, you're probably talking, um, you know, late May. Uh, yeah. is about like decision time
1: for and the way the season like start like, I would say just probably add people. a week under that right so yeah so yeah. by by yeah, yeah, june yeah.
2: if 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 by june they're they yeah, the yeah. underlying you know if if Kenta Maeda is still sitting around a 20% strikeout rate then it's probably time to like move on Yeah, right? yeah. It, it's just, then it's
1: not it's a fluke not it's not a small sample size it's kind of a so new it's, thing it's just
2: yeah it's just what's happening um the other thing uh with with pitchers that's so tough is sometimes early in the season, they're learning They're you know, in spring training. We hear about, they're learning a new pitch. They're adding a third pitch, right? You know, who we'll get into later. Tyler Glasnow. it was this year is like, Oh, he's adding a slider. And it's like, yeah. is he really though? Is he really? <laughs> the answer is yes, yeah. he is. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, alias has learned. So, but sometimes early in the season, guys are still trying to figure out those pitches. And so they're still throwing it more than they should be. Um, Generally speaking, like today, Corey Kluber is pitching and he's throwing a change up a lot more today, is just based off of what I've seen. And he's seeing pretty great. granted, I'm sorry, Alex Fast. I love you. You're a great man. But the Orioles are not exactly a good <laughs> offense, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh... yeah, you've got <laughs> two Alexes. So I'm an Two Alexes with one <laughs> stone there, man. You're also an Orioles fan. That's right. Yep. I'm so sorry. But, Alex you know, Squared. The Orioles offense... No, 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 no.
3: I, I can say it very, very confidently. The the Orioles also, minus their two best hitters, I would say, in um, Anthony Santander and um, Adley Rutschman.
2: Um, <laughs> Rutschman <laughs> is the best player on that team, and he's not even there yet. Uh, no offense
3: to Trey Mancini, <laughs> yeah, you
2: a great story, great guy, good hitter.
3: They're but the best, but, yeah, 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 but it's it's, it's Adley.
2: Um, it, it's it's those are the top three. But so anyway, we'll say like yeah, so Kluber's two three. Best. It's it's start what five or six for Kluber, and he's just now really incorporating the changeup. Back th- this early in the season, stuff like that could still happen. You know, Garrett Cole is another guy who he's been seemingly throwing the change up more this year. Guys this year, I think, are just throwing change ups a little bit more. I'm not necessarily sure why, but I've just I feel like change up usage. I haven't actually checked, but I feel like it's up because I will watch any Real start. here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll watch any start, and it feels like he's thrown the changeup more this year. And I'm like, why? Like, is there something about the ball that leads to changeups? But anyway, that's a different conversation for a different time. Uh, but stuff like that still happens early in the season, so it's something to keep an eye even, on. Even, and I'm, and I'm sorry into... to interrupt your chain of
1: thought here, but even something as simple as like this guy happened to have two out of his three cold our cold weather starts. You know, I yeah. mean that sort of thing happens yeah, yeah. early in the season too.
2: Yeah, and so now I'm gonna to go to Glass now, and Glass now is a guy that I have been very wrong about is as the anti-victory lap, <laughs> as I as I told you guys, he you know going into the year the Rays were pretty much th- They usually don't but. They're like, we, our bullpen is already decimated before the season starts. It's even more decimated now. And so Tyler, they're basically asking Tyler Glass now, like every time you pitch, you got to go at least six into the seventh, right? Like they just yep. need that from yep. him. He's turning himself into a, and you, you to be a Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola. No pressure. You, right? Like, and we need, and we need it now, uh, in order to keep up in this race. Um, and I was, you know very hesitant because he was basically a guy who was great for five and then as he got deeper into games he would as most guys do struggle but he would struggle (laughs) a lot and so i was like i'm not sure that's really going to work out very well like i'm a he only has two pitches i don't really care that he's working on a third he's been working on a third for three years now he's never developed Mm -hmm. one and so what is really important to remember though
3: and i don't want to interrupt you too much this year in out of the park they added the out of the future where you can request your pitching staff out pitch. <laughs> so maybe that's what happened maybe
2: maybe that's what happened and uh i'll go on a, another change of my glass now in a second but so what does he do he works deep into games he adds a third pitch a really good third pitch too that slutter he has of his is a really good i pitch. hate that name um, i
0: can't
1: i, I know can't it's a handle name. It. Is there that's a second like, pod or that just needs this, to be yeah. rebranded just uh, just put it back through a focus group or something uh, there's there's a name in, out there that works that, that's much better his a his collider slider
2: slash yeah collider Ooh. his slider slash cutter is a good pitch and it's working he's working deep into games he's giving them length even the other day right he gave up four runs in the first inning and he still found a way i think to get through six innings you need yeah. that You're, when your ace isn't going well you need those starts of just like he doesn't have it early but he still found a way to give me six like that's that's immense and in fantasy that's immensely valuable yeah, too huge and so like so that I'm I'm very wrong about Glasnow. Though I'm happy because I remember the story that came out from Jeff Passon last year that Glasnow used uh used to look at a picture of somebody to piss himself off before he started so that way he would get locked in and that picture of somebody was martin shrelly for a long time who is a grade a terrible human being so after that i was like i should be in on you but i'm not because i'm too like numbers focused but i really root for you man because that's awesome yeah yeah.
1: kudos to class now on that one
3: I think this kind of brings us to, like, a couple different interesting models of, like, the things that we can already sort of believe in and the things that we should, like, be semi-believing in. So, like, we talked about, like, choices, you know, someone's decided to in- include a new pitch. Whether or not that choice works or not, we can believe 100% Tyler Glass now has included a new pitch. Yes. Yes. But, like, we can also believe in other changes, right? If if people are choosing to throw a pitch a whole lot more that they already have or less – uh, we should buy into that if someone's just choosing to swing more or less we should already believe that because barring like um you know like them some team firing their coaching staff and dramatically in changing how they're approaching everything it's very unlikely that someone's going to midseason in approximately like may or june and i should also say barring injury right like change who they are as a player uh, they might change in the offseason But if that means that they would have already made that change and we can start to see that like, okay, this dude has done something that has reduced his strikeout rate and um, as a result, the way that we evaluate how good he is. So let me ask
1: you this question combined Uh, and with the brain trust here while I have you together in the same uh, virtual space. (laughs) uh, Say there's a hitter who's swinging more and we look at that sample and we can say demonstrably this player is swinging more. But we combine that with the fact that Pitchers are throwing more change-ups. Maybe he's more enticed by change-ups. Uh, how do we... How? Do, I, I mean, this may be a silly example, but how do we know in a small sample that this is a choice and not just a happenstance?
2: That's a good question. I'm going to be go, go ahead and throw an example of another guy I was very wrong about. I wrote an article for Pitcher List about Jason Hayward, mm-hmm. who was very good last year. Like, really, really phenomenal last year. And so this year everything that i said he did super well last year he's not doing this year <laughs> which is just how it goes i think uh but like he he swung 36.7 percent of the time last year and it really worked for him he was really selective i know that's crazy uh, uh so he was really selective and i was like that's good because he it needs to be that selective because yep. he's trying to hit the ball on line drives and the if you're not, if you're the kind of hitter he is, you can't be free swinging. Yeah. And so this year, his swing, his swing rate is forty-seven point two, <laughs> which is eleven percent increase, eleven percent. And you have to believe at this point in time, that's probably who he's going to be. Like he's just going to be swinging more. And it's so now we're back to the old Jason Hayward before, and it's sort of like he's not walking a lot. He's, all these things that he did well. well like why? Walk a lot. Control the strike. Why zone, would j- not strike out? Wait,
1: how do you go from I so, made this choice and it worked to I'm just going to abandon it? Is that a coach's decision? Is that or is that how he's being pitched? Is that an adaptation that the league made to him in the way that they are are attacking him, getting him to swing at things he's more likely to swing at?
3: so there are a couple like i want to bring up another guy similar sort of case of like i thought i was right um who have already named once on the show <laughs> it's, yeah, ian hap um went to the minors uh after his disaster of a 2018 season and came back up in 2019 he what well, his two changes were he swung a lot more and he changes dance um and you know he was pretty good middle late of the lineup and then 2020 um a lot of the same changes kind of stuck around, but pitchers kind of adapted to him. And also he was placed in the leadoff spot. So where you are in the batting order and like what you're being asked to do might matter quite a bit. You know, if your job is just to get on base, um, that's gonna be a little bit different <laughs> um than if, you know, your job is to put balls in the air to get someone who's already on base to score runs. So like you can imagine that there are some of those sorts of like and here's another third sort of thing that we can kind of believe in. If your lineup spot has kind of changed and you've stuck in a new lineup spot, like our changes in how we'd value some cha- how we would value our yeah our changes in our valuations would stick. Like um I was really really into uh Josh Taylor preseason because I thought he was gonna be batting like Star of our in, podcast in league team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in the lineup this week um <laughs> i also picked him up in worst fall <laughs> that's not, uh, but you know that's not great <laughs> no no <laughs> no uh, but i thought he'd be batting second because he had a lot of like fundamentals that looked really good uh his contact rate was really good he was making hard contact frequently you know it's like that's a really good combination of things and then this year like both of those things it's kind of slipped and also he's batting sixth for a bad yep. team so like you you know, even if I'm not certain that his like Z contact rate is going to slip or that his hard hit rate or hard hit per PA or whatever I want to measure that with is slipped, he's batting sixth for Cleveland and they are not a good baseball team yeah. right now. At least not on the offensive end.
1: Yeah, you're not so hard hitting no Right, like yourself, rating yourself out of that uh, spot in the batting lineup, right? I, I think that's a, a very important distinction because. We can get caught up in the numbers a lot, but there are some just fundamental baseball things like that that uh, are going to have a greater. like the gatekeeper to to your numbers yeah. being meaningful.
3: Yeah, like, you know, Kyle Tucker is still batting seventh, even against righties a lot for uh, for the Astros that's not helping his value. Um and then there's some other guys where like I didn't buy a single share cuz I thought they were going to be batting seventh and, and then Tony Larusa just <laughs> completely screwed the white. Sox. God. Um so yeah, yeah, uh, Luis Robert is like batting second pretty often for um for the White Sox these days. Well, he's on the IL now. Uh okay, yeah, that's fair. He had been, <laughs> I should say. So like, that that really upped like my my value of him just like even just cuz i thought like you know if he's gained the trust of this person who is very stubborn that means right
1: him. sure and
3: yep. those are the sorts of stuff where we can already like just start to move people around on our internal how many um fake dollars would i be willing to pay for this person right now uh internal lead rewards
2: yeah i so i'm looking i'm looking at Jason Hayward of like why why he's swinging so much he's seeing a lot more fastballs this year this yeah. which makes sense like uh, Justin,
3: he, adjusting back, right?
2: Yeah. It, it, he wasn't like, he had, he had really good numbers against the fastballs last year, like really, really good numbers, but they're just sort of like, okay, if you're going to be very patient, why don't we just throw you the most like impatient, foolproof pitch? We'll just throw you a bunch of fastballs. And if I remember correctly, let's see his, yeah the zone percentage is 52.1 which is the highest it's ever been and can you career. can seen, you look at something
1: just... while you're right there uh and I, I know i'm putting you right on the spot but could you look at the comparison between his first pitch strike percentage so far this year and and, and last year i'm curious <laughs> uh yeah it's up by uh 15 yeah there you go i mean that's a huge piece too i mean the your likelihood yeah, of yeah, your likelihood of getting on base with with an 0-1 count goes down dramatically um yeah. And he, they're just attacking him with yeah. fastballs and saying, if you don't want to swing, we're just going to make you swing. And
2: he's like, OK, I guess I have to adjust. And, you know, that's just not the way he can play. But if, if he's constantly falling behind, oh, one, it's sort of like you're in a you're in an imperfect situation. Well, I mean, the math you're is going to be
1: in that situation. Yeah. It just is. Um and, and that's that's just baseball. That's the thing that's important, you know, you can look at all those numbers but th- that's a really important element to understanding what Jason Hayward's season is going to look like if the pitchers can keep that up and he is not going to be able to adjust to I'm going to take this first pitch fastball and I'm going to take the single by, you know, dropping it uh, uh, over the infielder's head um until they adjust back to me. Uh, and I can start doing the damage I was doing last year. Then that that changes everything simply because of of, of a small change in the narrative, uh, and and what they're actually doing to attack him.
2: And speaking of just like adjustments and stuff, that's why Ehrman Mercedes is off to such a hot mm-hmm. start. Is hey, we had very little information sure. on this guy, like like very little. I mean. Publicly and just like internally, they didn't have a ton of data on the guy because he really hadn't played, you know, a ton in terms of at like a high level and playing, you know, he was always sort of like a good hitter at those levels, but they're just sort of like, yeah, we don't really know how long this is going to translate and whatnot. Um, and that's why Mercedes is sort of like this enigma for people of like how he's doing so well. And, and
3: I, I'd like to put myself like, let's say you're like, uh, someone who does like uh player by player analytics for a team, or even if you're like at-, at Codify, right. Where it's your job to like figure out a game plan for how to attack Mike Trout uh, for one. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but like, you know, if you're trying to come up with good data for like what the ideal sequence or just like locations to avoid and to go towards for, um, you know, uh, Abreu versus uh, Mercedes, like the, the golf and data is really going to change just like what you do. And at some point you just regress back to like league wide, this person, Bats from the side of the plate, and he's kind of a chunky boy, and we're going to throw these pitches. And we also don't think he's that good, so I guess we're going to throw these pitches, and then somehow he's 8 for 8 to start this year. And, well, you know, what's going to know, happen is the league is going to adjust to him, and then the, the, the proof is yeah, going to be in the
1: point. pudding whether he can readjust to that adjustment. And that's where we're going to see whether exactly, he is exactly. good or whether he is just making the best of, you know, kind of making hay while the sun shines, so to speak. I don't want to be yeah. the, the downer on it, but like I just don't see that happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, no what's offense. the most likely outcome? I, I think if you're making decisions about your team, what's the most likely outcome is a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, And you're going to be wrong sometimes, but you're probably going to be right more often. What's the most likely outcome that Francisco Lindor forgot how to play baseball or he made a move to New York and he needs a little bit of time to just get his bearings and is going to be awesome? I I think it's very easy to say which one is the more likely outcome. Same thing with with I mean, I'm going to ride the hot hand on my teams where I snagged them for as long as it lasts. uh, But I certainly am not thinking I have the the uh, uh, AL MVP as a steal off the waiver wire this early in the season.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, I was just going to tell you at some point you're probably going to have to sell. Right. Uh, or drop. I it, mean, it, it could very well just
1: be that it it
2: could it sell to the yeah. waiver wire. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, speaking of Lindor, we, as we were talking about his line drive rate is almost cut in right. half from last year. And as we all know, line drives are like, yeah, that's the thing that's going to help. Yeah. Like, well, and his like, like opposite field poll
1: numbers are out of whack there's just a whole bunch of stuff that's just yeah. out of line for what he does and he's Lindor you know I mean if we're again if we're uh, June 15th and and we're talking about this then okay what you know what's going on but um yeah if it's June 15th and his poll rate
2: is still under 30 percent something is seriously right, wrong right. That, yeah, that would need yeah, like exactly. a
1: serious like
2: you know breakdown of what's going on with Francisco Lindor but it's let me check. April 27th. Yeah, right. So I'm not really <laughs> yeah. going to do that. Yeah, we're not even yet. in May 1st. Did you check Savant for that one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see here. I I don't watch games, guys. I only look at Savant. I don't, I don't know even scroll. Facebook I just, at I just at look the at the
1: sliders because that's what Alex told me to do. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's why you probably traded Mike uh, talk <laughs> <an idiot>.
3: yeah. <laughs> um. uh,
2: But yeah, I mean, like th- th- all this stuff, as we're saying, it's sort of the biggest thing for hitters as alexander was talking about approach and play discipline yeah those are the only things that you really need to be paying attention to batted ball quality sure for certain guys it's a good sign because if aaron judge and john carlos stanton are still hitting the ball 120 miles an hour you know they're going to be yeah, fine, right right you know they're gonna yeah, be okay like
3: those max exit velocities if you're hitting the ball as hard as you possibly can like that can't be a read as a bad thing you know yeah. if, if a guy's able to crank a ball 120 miles an hour then his shoulder's probably fine yeah um yes. and so, so um
2: those things I'll, I'll believe that but like again aaron judge today his home run was 116 miles an <laughs> yeah hour, right I I think you can probably say that he's okay. Then Giancarlo hit a ball 119 miles an hour. Again, I think you can probably say that he's okay. Shohei Otani's hitting a ball 119 miles an hour. Vladimir Guerrero, same thing. Like, they're all hitting the ball really hard. Those are all good things. If all of a sudden, again, and max exit velocity isn't something you really necessarily need to pay attention to early in the year, like, because guys can... You know, it could be August, and somebody can all of a sudden pull out 118 out of their yeah, you know, right, right, right out, of, right, out of nowhere, right? Like Javier the,
0: the Baez the bottom of their ball, baseball cap, <laughs> yeah.
1: Like it just it just happens sometimes. Sure. Um, so but I mean, Vlad is is got you know, that max exit velocity, and it's not going straight yeah. into the ground uh, as much as it has exactly. Been. So yeah, yeah,
2: it's it's for yeah. for Vlad Junior. His his approach this year is different than any year he's ever been in the big leagues. It's just he's not. I believe he's still not striking out as much as he once was uh, he's taking a few more pitches and the swings he's getting off he's clearly trying to do damage in the air right. he's learning how to get the ball in the air more and that's seeing great success and those are the kind of things where you're like okay early in the year that's something you can buy into right yeah that's something that you can definitely buy into yeah. approach and discipline that's about well,
3: it and if we like I'm going to sound like a total nerd here, and I hope that comes across (laughs) correctly. You know, if we're looking at this from like a a stats point of view, it's like, okay, what do these things have in common that we can trust in? Well, it's like a player is making a decision, and we're getting to measure it a bajillion times. Like, we can watch pretty closely what um, Vladito's doing way more often, but if you're only looking at like the number of barrels that's coming to, you just don't have any opportunities to figure out how many how good he is right so like i people can pretend that barrels are really cool and stuff like that a lot and they are over the susan but they are just meaningless relatively speaking early on they take so long to become a part of any equation you're doing that should be like cared about because they are a factor of a lot of luck in terms of like um, launch angle and they are a factor in terms of a lot of life faced and all this other stuff so like they don't think it takes equipment. a
1: long time to get a um, sample size that's worthwhile, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. that exactly. That's the sort of thing. So it's like the things that are really rare. Uh you know, it's like you wouldn't measure someone's like complete game percentage and care about <laughs> yeah. it. Probably wouldn't even care about right. someone's quality start rate and care about it. So you should feel about the same way about barrels early on in the season. Now, hard hit rate-ish things, like hard hit per PA for pitchers, will probably become pretty stable based off of the research i've done the past couple years uh here um pretty early may actually it yep. only takes about eight, yeah i got about eight starts um so yeah here in a here in a late may or so I, i'm sure i'll have something written up about here are the guys who look good according to those sorts of stats but i don't jonathan even want to put it out there in the raise. world
2: <laughs> jonathan the wise of time over there man that's that's when he's gonna pop <laughs> up again <laughs> um i as
3: a uh, as a Tottenham Hotspur fan i'm not allowed to like lasagna
2: so um... <laughs> that's fair but yeah you're you're 100% right like again batted ball data it takes time like we just need to see you know even with even with uh, uh cult strikes plus, plus whiffs you know from from our very own alex fast and nick pollock right that they say it takes eight starts yeah. right that's why i always come back to eight starts yeah. late may that's always your target yeah. if things are yeah. still bad by then that's worrisome. Until then, you know, and the team, you know, even for if you're listening to this as a fan, as a team, the team I'm repping currently on my shirt that I worked <laughs> for for a very short bit, they went 19 and 31 in the first part of 2019 and then they won the World Series. Everyone just needs to, like, sort of slow down, relax. Things are gonna be Okay, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I promise things normalize. There's a okay. reason
1: why that's a term in statistics. Uh, you know, it happens. Also, by the way, max
2: exit velocity for pitchers, who cares? Why is that even a thing? It's oh, just yeah. one, it's one bad Savannah. pitch ruins your max why? EV for
1: who a year. Cares? Yeah,
2: who that's cares? Insane. That's so dumb. Anyway,
1: um, all right, so, Max, we're going to move on to uh, another segment. We have two at the end that we do. We've got time t- for one, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to pick which topic we move move to. We can do.
2: I actually like both. Yeah, it it,
1: it is. I mean, listen, all it is is an excuse to have you come back on another episode and uh, elaborate on on either of these things or, or, uh, you know, take whatever the new news is and and go with it. But we've got our pass fail segment that we like to do where you you kind of uh, I mean what it is, right? You pass or fail. The uh the idea of a seven inning no hitter that are not no hitters, the no no hitter. Uh, I saw somebody call it on Twitter. I thought that was pretty good. Um or off not the same as a yes hitter. <laughs> yeah, the clear. double negative. <laughs> um and uh and the other That's what Patrick
0: Corbin's the, uh, doing. Yeah. Ugh. The uh
1: the other uh, segment that we like to do is called "Off the Books," where we just kind of look at a story. And this is about the Rockies' GM job opening. I'm going to be honest; I, uh, I this got my attention because uh, it's a front office job, and uh, I, I mean, I think it's a, a crying shame that nobody scooped you up yet. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that.
2: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the British one just because I want to spend a couple minutes talking about how awful of a job Jeff British did. If you're a Colorado's Rockies fan, I saw somewhere saying that he might run for a Congress spot out of Colorado. I hope he loses because that man did such a genuinely horrible now job. Here's my resume.
1: I ruined a baseball team, uh, and I'd like for you he to did. vote for me, please. I mean, it worked for, well, every we, won't single get we won't go free there.
2: Agent signing he, every single free agent signing he made, except for like two, were negative. I mean, negative yeah. value. That's amazing of how bad. You have to be at your job to do that. Then he didn't even do good in the draft either. They didn't draft <laughs> anybody. We're still waiting on uh, Brendan Rogers, right? We're still waiting to see if he can turn into anything. It's been four years. Yeah. Like, dude, It's got to be something at this point, right? Again another guy and it's sort of like he just found all these guys from dan o'dowd like the tulowitzkies and the and the cargos and the nolan Mm arenas the trevor stories and the and the dj LeMayhews, right and he was just like we can put together a competitive team with this and it's like yeah but there's no sustainable success here and they're in the dark ages with their information Yeah, yeah i mean they don't use like any relevant modern data at all and so I just wanted to say that man was awful at his job. And the fact that Kim Ang had to wait 30 years, 30 to get a, even one lick of an opportunity with the Marlins, which she 100% deserves. Yeah, she's clearly right. very smart. I'm sure she's already what she's doing there in Miami. She's made a few moves that I really like. And so the fact she had to wait for 30 years while Jeff Riddich was allowed to burn down the Rockies and turn them into a shell of a franchise.
1: Is I'm glad ridiculous. that that SH word that you started started to say there was shell. Uh, I thought you might be going yeah, a different I'm... place with that, and no, I'd have no, to shit. figure out in uh, in the editing software how to in- include a beep. I figured I should play it safe today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair but enough. I, it, it's not even like they, like you said, that they, they drafted well and then were really all over player development and, and got people in the right spot at the right time. They didn't, they didn't, do, didn't do anything, anything well. right. They
2: didn't do anything well. They had a terrible analytics department. They had a terrible baseball ops department led by British. They had a terrible player development department, and they couldn't draft well. For seven years, they were literally the worst ran franchise in sports, and that's amazing to do. You have to be really yeah, bad. Give at the your entire job.
3: NFL to compete against for that title. Yeah,
2: and what's even more amazing is the last thing you do as a GM, the last act you do is you trade away your franchise player for and pay them and for the $50 privilege, million dollars <laughs> and fifty million dollars. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, like, really. I'm sorry, just how did you have a job? Like, so. I feel like
3: an interesting kind of like tangent to this is like kind of like, what can we learn? Um, and I don't actually don't know how much you can really learn from this other than like really wealthy people who like to hire people who tell them that they're smart, um, are probably going to own bad baseball and football and hockey and basketball and soccer franchises, um, I do think it's kind of important in this moment to kind of just say that like someone's going to flip the switch potentially and like try to hire some analytics people there. Like someone's going to try to do it. Maybe it happens in a couple months, maybe it's it happens help. in 20 years. It's, it's no, gonna actually help. I'm 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 going to say doing that alone won't necessarily change everything. Cuz Sure? Uh, no, no, I, I'm going to say like it might make them a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but it's often the case that like you know the most important statistician in the room is the person who convinces the person with the the checkbook to make changes. Um, I don't think the Rockies can get meaningfully better until someone else, uh, owns that team. And I don't know that anyone else is not on that team.
1: Yeah. And and, like,
3: that's why British like had the job and kept it for as long as he did though. Ultimately is because he was really good at flattering the people up top. Uh Um, and, and that's, and that's a skill, unfortunately. Uh, but like, it is Yeah, like, there are also a lot of other teams who have hired someone with analytics somewhere in their title that are still bad. Um, and just because you're doing analytics-y things doesn't mean that you're doing all of the right things or, like, that you're, like, on the bleeding edge that you're actually gaining net benefit. If you're playing catch-up um, and you become 29th instead of 30th in the league, you're still not all that great. So I think it's kind of important to note here that, like, there's a lot that has to be done to make that team relevant. Um, Andrew Perpetua, who does a lot of smart things in baseball and used to work for the Mets, likes to regularly complain on Twitter about how, like, he thinks that, there's no way that anyone could ever succeed in Colorado for, like, just purely park-related things unless they played, like, 30 consecutive game home stands. <laughs> just because, like, the things they have to do as batters and pitchers there to regularly adjust to playing in two different planets, yeah. basically. Like, it's it's incredible. Uh, but you can note then, and I think this is kind of, like, a nice little, like, uh, dagger to end on, is that, like, the players have been asking for them To help with that for a long time. Charlie Blackman put together like a hitting program that players were doing that seemingly helped starting in 2019 to help them adjust from uh, home to road back and forth. And he got no support from their front office, from their analytics, from their anybody. He, a player, went out of his way to make that happen. And there are a lot of players in the MLB who were still having to do that at every single level. Luis Giolito and Codify is like the most popular and like uplifting example, but it's really interesting to turn the tables there and realize that like there's a lot of sad examples of that too where it's just like people's careers have been derailed by people making bad choices so like we shouldn't just be like looking at this as like ha rockies you are stupid we should think about this as like how many dudes who had they been drafted by a medium competent franchise would have made eight nine yeah where's garrett Hampson league, if he's didn't... drafted
1: by a totally different team um you know I, in and Where's Brandon Rodgers? Yeah, exactly I, right. where I, I think that there's two yeah. pieces to this. It, well, there's lots of pieces to this, but two in particular. One, being a baseball owner doesn't mean you know baseball at the level you need to know it to be able to make good decisions. And if you're trusting the people underneath you, um, you can really kind of pull the wool for five, seven, maybe even eight years because of the length of time it takes for the decisions you make to to kind of come to fruition, right? There's so much player development. There's so much in the minor leagues. There's, there's just so much more than like the NFL where they're going to draft somebody coming up here soon. And that person could be on the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, game three. And you're going to see like, did that, did that work out? Did that not work out? Um, and, and then the other piece too is, uh, you know, like you were saying, Alex, the ability for a single person to impact, inside a philosophy that's bad. Um, the philosophy has to change too. Now, maybe a good statistician can can sh- make change and, and move the needle on the philosophy. Um, and a philosophy can make space for a better statistician. But if you really want meaningful change, if you want to, to overhaul an entire system, it has to be just that systemic. It can't just be one person um, you know, in an office. It can't be one player on the field. It can't be... Uh, maybe the one person that it could be is the owner because like you said, the checkbook kind of governs the day, but uh, at the end of the day, you really do have to have kind of that, that philosophical approach. I,
3: I will say there's one really horrendous lurking variable in professional sports right now. And that's if you're, um, if you, if your team is, uh, owned by someone who inherited all of their money from someone else, uh, chances are your team sucks. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it is. Like, um, most inherited franchises in sports are owned by people who have, on the merits, done nothing to uh, justify the fact that they uh, control a billion dollars in assets. And, um, like, you know, like it seems like the oils are going to get passed down uh, soon. And I mean, they already kind of suck, but like they're going to suck and I, oh,
1: in a continuation. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the attitude, uh, right? If you inherit it and you say, I don't know anything about this, I'm going to hire people like Max to be my smart person behind the scenes and, and help me be good. Then that's one thing you can do if you inherit it and say, I've got to make my mark and prove to myself and everybody else that I deserve what I have, uh, but I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, that, that can go off the rails pretty yeah, quick.
3: I mean, there, there. that is another explanation for a lot of people who have bought teams have made poor de- decisions. You know, I, a lot of people who I feel like have made their money and like you look at Artie Moreno, um, who made his money in like the billboard business. Like it, it's really not necessarily like he is a super smart person, but he made a lot of good choices yeah. at one point. And now almost all of his wealth is wrapped up in the Los Angeles Angels. He doesn't want to spend a whole lot of his remaining melt wealth and uh, he's wow. awesome. made a lot of being bad choices.
1: smart at business and being like, smart at baseball are not always the same thing and being smart at the business of baseball doesn't necessarily mean you're good at putting a field a team on the field that's fun to watch. There's there's just so many pieces to this and I I uh, maybe it's my ignorance to other sports but I feel like baseball is the most susceptible to it in terms of of,
3: a lot of how really it works. old yeah. franchises Uh, tend to make for a lot of really old owners who tend to make for a lot of kids who have inherited baseball teams it's happened a lot less in basketball one because a lot of those people have cashed in on their assets like quintupling in value but also because it's just a younger league, um and everyone's stupid in football so nobody stands out well football also Uh, has different
1: structures too that were put in place on purpose to um, early on and maybe to, to the benefit of the owners versus the players. And that's, again, another whole discussion in terms of management versus versus players and salaries and all of that. But the, the structures behind the scenes and the business of each individual sport they are differently complex. And I, I feel, and again, it may be that I'm ignorant to this, but I feel like baseball is, is maybe got the most moving parts, the, the longest span between draft and, and on the field, the most robust farm system, the, the, there's the most variables. Um, anyway, we, we do have to bring our episode here, unfortunately, to an end. Um, Max, thank you so you much And on
2: a lighter note. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.
1: has three home runs. Oh still. my goodness! Well, I mean, listen, in the in the the theme of things, uh, there were a lot of people arguing about him early on. In, in the season as to you know his draft position and uh I saw both sides, man. I like he just seemed like he was primed for the breakout. Somebody who was that good doesn't just stop being good at baseball, but I totally get people who are like, I drafted him two years in a row. He's supposed to have broken out. He didn't, I'm not touching him this year at that ADP. It sure seems like he's he's paying dividends for the me people who an invested. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um
3: hey, Max, who has he hit those home runs off of? Don't,
2: don't
1: make
3: me say it.
2: <laughs> Two two of them were off Scherzer.
1: Well, a listen, off sometimes Scherzer. you gotta tip, sometimes you gotta tape your cap. That's not good for my fantasy teams that are loaded with Max Scherzer. So that that uh that yeah. ruined my night. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. sorry. No, it it's okay. It's not your fault. You're just the middleman. Um Anyway, before we, we, uh, depart here and, and, uh, go our separate ways for the evening. Number one, you got to come back real soon. Uh, this is fascinating stuff. And, and honestly, I think it's really good to help people at home, uh, be empowered to make good decisions on their own, which is really our ultimate goal here. Uh, not to talk ourselves out of a job here, but hopefully what we're doing is, is teaching people how to not need us quite as much. And why us, I mean you guys, cause I don't get baseball the way you do, You guys do either with the numbers. Um, <laughs> You're giving you're giving us way too much credit. Nah, listen, I think I think it's normal for you to get it the way you get it, and so you don't think it's a big deal. But it really is. And and the nice thing about it is being able to speak to it in uh, easily digestible pieces to help people understand and and be better at understanding the game and fantasy. So again, thanks so much for coming on. Before we let you go, please do uh, pump your stuff, talk about what you're working on, and most importantly, let people know where they can find you.
2: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at GreenfieldMax18. Do that at your own bearing. There's a lot of tweets that are mainly just making fun of Yankee fans outside of the fantasy <laughs> tweets. It's like fantasy. It's like I tweet about fantasy baseball specific players, you know, teams and stuff, and then I just make fun of Yankee fans. That's that's basically I'm all in. my Twitter feed is, uh, which which is <laughs> fine in my book. Um, then uh, I had an article come out today that's basically about some of the stuff we were talking about of sort of bridging the gap between you know, the metrics and the fans and how the most common fan probably doesn't understand this stuff and what can we do, what can baseball do to move forward about, like, just making the a more educated fan base because a more educated fan base is a better fan yeah, base. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just and also like just how we should enjoy the game. Like right? you know, people can enjoy the game in different ways and stuff, right? But you know, being more educated is a better fan base. And then on Friday, I have a we article come out every Friday, and on Friday I'm doing one about Eduardo Rodriguez, who I'm excited to do one on because a I, a he's a great story. I mean, just a phenomenal yeah. story. What he's coming back from, and B, the Red Sox really need him to pitch well until Chris Sale gets yeah. back. So, as if he if he can if he can pitch well, then the Red Sox will be closer to the team that they are playing. Like, however, I haven't done a full deep dive into it yet. <laughs> Speaking but, of uh, things I, you
1: were, I was wrong about before the season started. My goodness, I thought the Red Sox were playing basically not to lose ninety to hundred games. <laughs>
2: completely disagree. I thought they were going to compete for a playoff spot. <laughs> I really did. Well, I really you win. believed in that roster. <laughs> I, 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 I said J.D. Martinez is not that bad. Rafael Devers yeah. is not that bad. I just Nathan thought the Ovalde pitching was going to let him
1: down, and they didn't have the – It's. I, I just feel like after you've had a bad season, you come back, you don't have pitchers keeping you in the game. It's hard mentally to stay like I ready to compete at that level. Um, but I was, wrong. I, was yeah, dead wrong. I
2: really believed in Evaldi. I really believed in Nivaldi, and I thought if Erod was anything close to his 2019 production, which it seems like he is, then they would be fine until Chris Sale got back. They're not; they're better than what I thought they would be. I don't think that lasts, yeah, right, unfortunately. No. Uh, so but
3: I, I'd like to remind both of you really quickly that the rest of the AL East is much worse at pitching than the uh, the Red Sox have been. Right now. Yeah, that's I true. Made me the, so the, far, <laughs> probably helping. Probably yeah. helps
2: is that the the second best pitching staff has basically only gotten. Consistent starts from two people, and one of them has been much better than the other, and is also the second best pitcher in the sport. So that that really helps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep,
1: that's exactly no, who John he was talking means, about.
2: Big. I I don't know how John, Good John Means really is, but he works. Blazingly fast and I love yeah. that. Because when I worked at SIS, I think I did four or five John mean starts in the year and they were all under two and a half hours. And I was like, this man is my best friend. <laughs> like he is my when... by the way, if you work in baseball, the length of game really uh, matters yeah. to you. Yep. Like really, really matters. Because by that point you're hitting on hour nine, hour ten of the day, right? And so when you see and I'm gonna go on a quick little story here to end it, and I think this is a good way to end it, uh The Reds were playing the Rockies, of all people, (laughs) uh, and it was the last game of the series, and they weren't playing each other for the rest of the year, and it was raining really hard. And it wasn't going to stop until like 11 o'clock at night our time or 12 o'clock at night our time. So it was like nine, ten o'clock there. It was going to rain for like three or four hours. But they had to get the game in because it was August yeah, yeah. and they couldn't find another way in their schedule. So they waited. They waited through all of that. And then what proceeds to happen? A four-hour and 15-minute oh game God. of like 13 to 10 with two errors on both sides, 24 hits, like 42 balls in play, and it was the most dreadful baseball game I've ever seen in my life. So if you're out there, and you're hearing people complain about the length of the game, it might be because they
1: weren't (laughs) in the game, and they just want to go home.
3: Well, thank you, Max, for making sure this uh, podcast ran long so that we couldn't go home to our families. Yeah, this is <laughs> so this sorry. is now a new this is <laughs> a new record,
1: Max. We brought you on for our longest podcast of uh, of our existence thus far, um, but in uh, in Lucky episode number thirteen, so it's all coming together for us. It's all coming together. Um, all right. Well, again, thank you, Max, so much. We'll catch you uh, soon. Uh, make sure everybody at home is checking out his stuff. Um, it's on the uh, the Yankees bulletin board. It should be on yours for sure. Um, and before we go, Alex, could you just go ahead and let the people know where they can find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the Corked
3: Mat. I'm on Twitter at Chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me.
1: All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.